Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, Spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. It's me, Jessica. (laughs) It's me, Jessica. Uh, one of your co-hosts of this amazing podcast. And I am joined by my better pod half, Tara. Hey, Spooksters. And today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite states in the United States. We're going to be talking about spooky and kind of mine's true crimey cases in Oklahoma. Yay! And I'm really excited about it because my dad is from Oklahoma and I have family there and I like to vacation there and Tara and I are going to go on a road trip there one year. All kinds of fun things that are going to happen. So we're going to tell you some spooky tales from Oklahoma. Before we do that, we're going to take care of some stuff so you know where to go to find stuff about the podcast. If you would like to hang out with us on the socials, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at 3 Spooked Girls. If you want to hang out with us in a little bit more one-on-one-ish, I say ish because it's one on almost a thousand people (laughs) in the Facebook group, Three Sweet Girls Official on Facebook. It is a great group. We started a book club in it. (gasps) We have. So we're really excited about that. So if you're not in there and you have no clue what the hell I'm talking about and you really want to know, head over to Facebook to Three Sweet Girls Official. We are going to be reading the book The Shadows by Alex North in the month of November. Mm -hmm. So we would love for everyone to join. It's going to be super duper fun. We also, in our time, because we just were recording this a few days before you're hearing it, went live in the Facebook group yesterday to announce our newest project with the podcast, which we're going to be making some limited edition merch that it's going to be sold in small quantities. So if you want to know what that is, head over. I believe we've posted it on Instagram. By this point, it'll have been on Instagram. Yes, because in our time, I'll post it tomorrow. So go to like Friday's posts. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So if you are interested, it's really cool. Tara's taken our Spookster Club logo and kind of like did a little spinoff of that. And it's really cool. There are, I don't know if there's any long sleeves available at this point because they've kind of gone like hotcakes, but short sleeves, I know we still have available. Definitely check it out. They're great. Pricing and stuff is on the order form. Check it out. Make sure you read everything to do with that. 
Also, if you want to help support the show, you can do so by signing up for our Patreon. If you go to patreon.com backslash three sweet girls or hit the link tree in the show notes, you can support us for little as a dollar. You get a bonus episode each month and two and up get my world famous slaughters. And I can say world famous because we have some international listeners. So (laughs) I'm just going to like say that. We do. We do. Toot my horn today because I don't know. I'm feeling it today. (laughs) (laughs) And then five and up, get video content. Also, Tara is doing this amazing new series called Haunted Grounds, which are absolutely amazing. She comes at you with like a creepy object and a caffeinated beverage of sorts. So far, she's done coffee, but who knows what's going to come down the pipeline. So it's very fun. And we also at the end of every month, we do a patron all tears episode, which is it's pretty fantastic. We've had some really good ones. Yeah, and because this is still Spooktober, any patron who joins us for the very first time in their lives at our five or higher tier, anytime during the rest of October here, we currently have some fun, spooky enamel pins. And those are on Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. There's like, there's one that says Happy Halloween with a little jack-o'-lantern and stuff. And then there's a coffee, a caffeine fiend one with like a little orange mug. And my favorite is the skeleton holding two cocktails. (laughs) I like that one. It's cute. Yeah, it's super cute. So yeah, an extra little thank you to you guys who sign up at our five and higher tiers. And that is while supplies last. I want to put that in there. Yes, yes. Another thing is I mentioned, I forgot to mention when I was talking about the shirts, is that we're going to be doing limited runs of different merchandise. So we already started planning November's, which I'm really excited about. So y'all are going to be very, very happy, I think. Mm-hmm, I think so, too. And before we go to our promo break, we're going to talk about the drink of the week because we're talking about the great state of Oklahoma. You know, I had to type in Oklahoma cocktails into Pinterest and what it brought me was a Pioneer Woman recipe and it's pink. So, you know, me and pink, I got really even more excited. It's called the Oklahoma Prairie Fire Cocktail and it's described as smoky. It's very citrusy. It's got some like blood orange stuff in it. I'm not going to list all the ingredients. It'll be up tomorrow on the socials. It looks delicious. I'm going to make this at some point. Right. And it's pretty. Like, I love a pretty cocktail. I don't know about you. It might be me. If you like pretty cocktails, let us know, people, because I love pretty cocktails. I'm really bad at making pretty cocktails. <laughs> like, mine always look like a kindergartner drew it. And I'm like, oh, that was supposed to be. <laughs> like, I remember when we first started the podcast, I was making all of the drinks every single week. And <laughs> I made one with like a sparkling glitter in it. And it looked <laughs> it looked like brown and poop. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, God. Glitter poop. It was delicious tasting. <laughs> but it did like I put too much of the glitter in it. And it was like a black cocktail, um, and, like black food coloring in it yeah. and so it was it turned out poopy looking and i was just like oh there's i can't actually share this on any social people will be like what the fuck is she drinking <laughs> so i've just left it up to the people and also it helps give credit to the people i find these cocktails from because i think that they made it i shouldn't get credit for it mm-hmm, for sure and now we're gonna go to a promo break so we'll see you back here in a few the search for a missing Colorado teen who vanished from his father's home during a court-ordered visit. He's just 
the sweet kid every mom dreams of having. You were the last person to have seen your son before he disappeared. Dylan had found some pretty disturbing pictures of Mark. The pictures were, quote, disgusting. Him dressed in women's clothing and, and you know. Eating his feces. Yes. I think everyone has a bit of a fascination. Dark side. My name is TZ, and you have been listening to the trailer for my new true crime podcast. Available on all major podcast apps, just search for Tapes from the Dark Side. We hope you check it out. Remember, the dark side is always here, waiting for you to listen. Until next time, try to enjoy the daylight. What is it that makes us so interested in what we don't understand? We're setting out to investigate everything strange, unusual, and scary in our world. They're going to be able to scan your brain and upload it to a computer. Some people think of it as like the greatest victory that we could ever have because it makes you immortal in a sense. I think it's terrifying. It is terrifying. We invite guests who bring their own personal perspectives. I mean, especially considering the fact that the overwhelming majority of UFO sightings and documentation occurs within miles of nuclear testing facilities. Yeah. They bring their own encounters with the paranormal. All of a sudden, I feel this whoosh of wind and this ringing in my ear so loud that makes me stand up straight. And we both had this moment of, you know, maybe we should get out of here. It was a hot summer day and a hot night but when I went into this one room it was freezing and I to this day it felt like somebody was going to push me down the stairs a few months into living at the new house I was woken up to the lamps being on and the snow globe music box going off hello and most of all we just have a ton of fun Jacques would never eat not a single bite just sip from his glass of wine. He was a vampire. He was a vampire. 100% a vampire. Holy buckets. My name is Ashley, and this is my co-host, Lauren. Hello, weirdos. And you are listening to Keep It Weird. Well, welcome back from that promo break. I hope it was shorter for you than it was for us, because Sarah and I just <laughs> sat, sat around and talked for about 40 minutes, and then we were like, oh, shit, we're recording. Good time. <laughs> this is why we should not be caffeinated and, and recording at the same time. So we're going to get into our episode. We have two different topics. It's, we're going a little old school, how we used to do it. We've done a couple episodes like this recently. It's just happened this month. It just happens. It's just happened. If you're new, this isn't normal. <laughs> no, we typically just pick one topic and like we did with Dogman. But this was a little different because we were wanting to do something that was like haunting, like Midwest haunts. And it just happened to be Oklahoma, which I forgot to look up the lyrics so that I could sing you the song. But I, <laughs> I might while Tara's doing hers, I might look them up and then sing them at the end. Who knows? <laughs> it could be part of my outro. We'll figure it out. Any hoodle, so let's get down to it. So I'm going to be talking about the dead women's or women's crossing. It goes both ways. Mm -hmm. Literally on the wiki, it's like dead women's crossing. And then it says, AKA dead woman's crossing. So you might be like, what is this? Well, it is a small unincorporated community on the Deer Creek in the northeast part of Weatherford, Oklahoma, which is in Custer County. And it's about 176 miles from Tulsa. 
and about 70 miles from Oklahoma City. At least I think that's what it is. Now that I'm thinking about Oklahoma City, I may have, I don't know. I will neither confirm or deny that fact at the moment. So the community takes the name from an unsolved murder of a local woman. And you can actually go to this place. It's an actual bridge. I have the directions for you. I don't know where this comes, how they they got this way, but this is the driving instructions on this page. (laughs) I don't know where the starting point is, but okay. So you take I-40 exit 84. You go north for half a mile to the stop sign, and then you go one-fourth mile east, and then north on Blacktop for half a mile, and then you're at the bridge. So if you're from that area, does that make sense? (laughs) If not, give us directions, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So it's based off a story that happened in 1905, which was interesting because I was like, like I said, my dad is from Oklahoma. So I know some things. I was like, wait, Oklahoma became a state in 1907. So this is before it was a state. It was just a territory. Wow. Fun fact. (laughs) You learn some historical things sometimes on this podcast. Yes. So on July 6th of 1905, a school teacher by the name of Katie DeWitt James, who was 29 years old, filed for divorce from her husband, Martin James, or as his full name is, Martin Luther James. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And they had a baby girl. She was a 14 month old. And the day after, so July 7th, they boarded a train and they were heading up to Custer City. Katie was going up there to visit her cousin who lived in Ripley. And her father, Henry DeWitt, had put her and her baby on the train. And Martin did not come to the train station with them to see them off. But Henry wanted to make sure his daughter and granddaughter got on the train safely and was. So a few weeks later, Henry became concerned because he had not heard from her. And mind you, this is 1905, so it's not the same as today where we're like texting and tweeting and social meeting everyone. It's, I don't know, like call when you can, write when you can, that type of thing. So Henry contacted a local sheriff and they suggested hiring a detective by the name of Sam Bartell. So Sam started the investigation from Clinton where he lived, but nobody remembered seeing the woman or the baby. So no one had seen Katie. On July 28th of 1905 in Weatherford, Sam learned that Katie and her baby had spent the night at the house of one William Moore, who was just a guy. The reason that Katie and Lulabelle stayed there was because they had met a woman by the name of Franny Norton, and she was William's sister-in-law. She was a resident of Clinton, Oklahoma. She was also known as Mrs. Ham, and she was a very well-known prostitute. Okay. So I'm not quite sure what Katie was doing, but I don't know if she knew Fanny ahead of time. So the next day, on July 8th, Franny, Katie, and then the baby Lulabelle went for a buggy ride, and they were headed, or they were headed for Hydro. Eyewitnesses report that the buggy entered a field near Deer Creek and Franny came out alone about 45 minutes later. So all three of them went in and one of them came out and nobody knew what happened. It's very much speculation. So on August 8th of 1905, there was actually a reward put out by the governor himself. Wow. Governor Ferguson said on behalf of the territory, they would be putting out a $300 reward for anyone who knew about the whereabouts or who murdered Katie. 
So Sam quickly discovered where the two women went. And it was about a week. Earlier when I said weeks, I meant to say a week later. It wasn't too long after she had left. So Sam had discovered where the two women had gone and went out to look for Katie and Lulabelle. And he did end up finding Lulabelle. He did the same thing. He hired a buggy and went out and started searching where the women went. And he found a woman matching Franny's description and said that had left a baby at a farm. So there's a couple different stories. So like basically that this woman came up and was like, here's this baby. Take care of it. I'll be back. And didn't come back. And this is back in the day. People aren't going to be like, get the fuck out, baby. They're going to be like, okay, it's a baby. We'll take care of it. Yeah. It's also a story that that just like a couple days later when they couldn't find her, a boy was like, when Sam came looking for them, this boy was like, I saw this lady throwing out a like a bundle of baby clothes. And then Sam went and found the baby in the bundle. But I don't think that's true because a 14 month old baby is like walking. So it'd be really hard to keep like a 14 month old baby contained. Right. Yeah. For days. So my theory is along the lines that it was the baby was at a farmhouse being taken care of and Sam found the baby. So once they got the baby, the baby was unharmed, but the clothing that she had was covered in blood. Oh. Just so you know. Which I'm like, also like, why didn't anyone wash the baby's clothes? I'm assuming that they took the clothes off the baby and then just were like, they were bloody and we we left them. Yeah. So locals kept searching for Katie and Sam eventually tracked down Franny, who definitely denied killing or murdering Katie. And she gets arrested and she's arrested in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and she's charged with murder because she's the last one to see her alive and they don't know where she is. So they're assuming she's been murdered because there's no way Katie would have just given up her baby to a farmer and like walked off without her baby. So with that, they brought her in for questioning. She kept saying, I'm not guilty. I didn't do this. And they lock her up and they leave her alone for just a few moments. And when they come back, Franny's fucking dead. Of course she is. Right? She committed suicide by swallowing trisignine. <gasps> oh. So most people think like, okay, she guilty AF because she killed herself. And why would she kill herself if she was innocent? I am inclined to believe that. Why she killed her, I have no idea. I do have thoughts on that, but we will we'll, we'll never know. So on August 31st of 1905, Katie's remains were found near Deer Creek. They were about 20 miles east of Clinton, and her head had been severed from her body. Mm. I know. Her skull lay three feet away with a bullet just behind the right ear, and it was a 38 caliber gun. It was found nearby. And mind you, this is 1905, so we're talking very, very rudimentary forensics. Katie's father ended up confirming that it was her skeletal remains. And to this day, her murder is not solved. That's sad. It is. And they have no proof, but they've come to the conclusion that Franny killed Katie and gave her baby to a farmer. Why? We'll never know. Well, there are there is another person in, in all this mix, because if you remember at the beginning of the story, Katie had filed for divorce from her husband, Martin. And upon her death, Martin got full custody of his daughter. So Martin was the suspect, even though he wasn't around, like, when the murder happened, like, he wasn't in that area. Okay, Jessica's going to go out in her old ways and make (laughs) a wild speculation. 
I have a speculation that Martin hired Franny to kill his wife and that it was done in a way like the body was found like almost two months after she disappeared. So, you know, I just I feel like it was very quick. Everything happening. Katie's father was also a suspect for a little bit. They thought that maybe he killed his daughter, which I'm like, why would he kill his own daughter? What did he have to gain from that? He didn't get custody of the kid. You know, this isn't like a twisted Gilmore family moment. <laughs> you know, if Richard and Emily were murderous, they would have killed Lorelai to get Rory. We, we know this. <laughs> yeah. Even like because articles were written about this because it was like hella mysterious. This woman died. Her baby was abandoned. And the lady who was last seen with him killed herself. Like this is super mysterious and also, like, if this happened today, people would be like, mm, bitch, she guilty. She would be tried in the, in the court of public opinion. Yes. <laughs> but a follow-up article did point fingers at Martin, saying that he had something to do with this. And I think he did. I think he probably paid Franny to kill her. And yeah, that's that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the wooded bridge or the wooded crossing where Katie's body was found was torn down 80 years later. But a concrete bridge was built nearby and was quickly dubbed the tragic moniker called the Dead Woman's Crossing. So it's literally a bridge in Oklahoma, Hmm. which is like, I'm so glad Oklahoma has this like super like weird, twisted, haunted back story because I'm like, I love Oklahoma. People shit on the Midwest. I love it. I mean, I don't think I could live there because of the humidity. We've talked about this. Like, I don't do well in humidity, but I love to (laughs) visit. I will be your tourist dollars for Sherzies. <laughs> now, we wouldn't be talking about this story if it didn't have a little bit of a haunted lure. And there's not a lot about this haunted lure other than the fact that the legend claims that Katie's restless spirit roams the streets and banks of nearby Deer Creek, calling out for her baby Lulabelle. Aww. Other stories claims that if you stand beneath the bridge crossing near the creek and listen closely, you might be able to hear the rattle of the wagons rolling around above you. Hmm, creepy. Also, it is known if you go out there, you may see a shapeless blue light that they deem to be Katie out by the bridge. A researcher caught it. I watched like a couple videos and then it divulged into this whole like other thing because there's this guy by the name of Jeremy DeWitt that just was like a crazy cop impersonator. And I went down this like weird rabbit hole of cop impersonators. I don't recommend, I mean, I do recommend it because it was funny to me, but it's also don't do that. That's bad juju. But I watched some of the videos on, you know, like spirit boxes or EVPs and stuff like that. Yeah. And there wasn't a ton. I mean, it's your typical like, oh, I got confirmation that Katie's looking for her kid and stuff like that. But it's, you know me, I'm such a fucking skeptic when it comes to that thing. I'm like, (laughs) no, I don't think it said yes. I think it said static. Oh, God. I'm like, every time we watch like BuzzFeed Unsolved. And they're in, uh, they're doing an EVP. I'm like, you heard it clear as day. I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> it was garbly gook. Though I own my own spirit box, which I've, I've never turned on to my own house because I don't want to know. <laughs> so that is what I have about the dead woman's crossing. If you are from that area, let us know if you've ever seen the blue light or you've heard Katie calling for Lulabelle. I would be interested to hear about that. And I hope that because now, I mean, Lulabelle was 14 months and as my dad would say in ought five, I would think that she would be reunited with her mom at this point. Yeah. Hopefully. Otherwise, she's very old. Yes. Like, 
116 years old. (laughs) (laughs) With that, I'm going to hand it over to Tara, and she's going to talk to us, I believe, about a demon somewhere in the state capitol. Okay. First of all, I'm wearing my protective bracelet from Sarah, so if y'all hear jingling of any kind, I have abnormally teeny, teeny wrists. So this thing goes up half my forearm when on a normal person, it would fit. (laughs) So if there's jingling, sorry, but it's got all kinds of protective stones and awesomeness on it. So that's that. Had to get that disclaimer out. God, it's like the Peterson episode with my jingly sweater all over again, which will probably happen this Christmas because I fucking love that sweater. (laughs) I now have two sweaters I'm very excited about. Yay. Oh, God. Okay. So the house I'm going to talk about, which I'll get to in a minute, is in Oklahoma City. So people who are in or near Oklahoma City, you can go find this house if you want. I would suggest you don't. But there's a particular demon I'm going to be talking about, and it's called Zozo. If you're super into paranormal, very scary stuff, you probably have heard of this. I did a long time ago and kind of forgot about it until I started researching it. Then I was like, oh, wait, I have heard about this before. So here we are. There are countless reports of people coming into contact with it via a Ouija board. And this is another prime example of why I don't fuck with Ouija boards ever and won't. (laughs) (laughs) And in case you do kind of know or you have no idea who I'm talking about, there are a little bit conflicting stories as it always goes with these kind of things. So some say that its origins has ties to Africa or even Mesopotamia. And this also could sound familiar. You're like, oh, there is a demon that's linked to Mesopotamia, but that's a different one, possibly, depending on what you think. So in The Exorcist, there's a demon called Pazuzu that has Mesopotamian ties. And when I was reading about this, they're like, these people just get confused and can't keep their demons straight. And I'm like, okay, calm down. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the rudest shit I've ever heard. Yeah, I was like, what the (laughs) fuck? They can't keep their demons straight. Well, bitch, not all of us want to spend that much time knowing about it, okay? Okay. Literally. But others that are less rude say that there is a chance that these two demons are one and the same, essentially. And Pazuzu is often depicted as a combination of animal-slash-human He has, quote, the body of a man, the head of a lion or dog, talons of an eagle, two pairs of wings, a scorpion's tail, and a serpentine penis. And he also has his right hand up and left hand down when he's depicted, I guess. I am just still stuck on serpentine penis. Like, does that mean his penis is a snake? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to know, I was like, or does he have a snake's penis? No, it's like a snake. Yeah, it's okay. it's really weird. If you just go quickly <laughs> to the wiki for that demon, there's like a little statue thing. And yeah, his snake is a snake. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, but like when you said serpentine penis, I was like, wait a second. Because if it was a snake's penis, that's unfortunate. No, it looked like a snake was attached where a penis should be. But anyway, enough about penises. We're we're done with that now. (laughs) Insert Manscaped promo here. (laughs) (laughs) Right? We have a 20% off code. Get free shipping too. Yay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So um, this demon is known for bringing famine during the dry seasons and locusts during the rainy seasons. So, you know, he's a fun guy and brings all the 
party favors for you, I guess, technically. Shit. Is he responsible for the cicadas that are supposed to be or have been, like, launching this year? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it is all his fault. Who knows? Cicadas. We will never know. But back to the other demon, which I'm just going to call him Z, because apparently if you say his name a bunch of times, that's going to make you fucked. Another reason I'm wearing this bracelet. So I don't get any visitors I don't want. It is also said he goes by other names such as Zaza, Mama, Oz, Zo, Za, and Abacus. Last one's kind of random, but... Isn't that like old-fashioned calculator? That's an Abacus. Same thing. It's spelled different. It's A-B-A-C-U-S. Oh. It's the demon's calculator. (laughs) I was like, is this more of a philosophy thing where it's like, money is the root of all evil, like that shit? Like, is that what's happening? I don't know. So there actually is documentation of this demon going back to 1818 in a French text, which I'm sorry, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. I'm from California and took Spanish in high school and college. French was not on the radar. (laughs) Wasn't even an option at my school. (laughs) It was at my high school. Mm, Yeah, yours was bigger than mine, though. (laughs) It's true. It was called Le Dictionnaire Infernal. We're just going to go with that. It's fine. Someone's probably like, fuck, Tara, no. But it's fine. This is described as a demonological encyclopedia. And this text has a story about a young girl from a little local village who claimed she was possessed by three demons named Minnie, Crepule, and Zozo. So people think that's one of the early stories. And since it can have different names, maybe it was just the one demon. Maybe it was three. We don't know. Now, Z, as I'm calling him, is also to be described by many sources as a three-headed dog that guards the gates of hell and Also, some have said that there is a tattoo spelling of his name, but it's Z-O-S-O. And there's this whole conspiracy theory that it's linked to Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting rabbit hole. You can go down if you want to go see that. But I'm okay. Some believe that it isn't just one demon, that the name is used by multiple demons. If that's the case, that would actually explain how there's literally been thousands of encounters all around the world saying they've came into contact with this entity. So that would make sense. Mm -hmm. And some have said that if they are in the camp that it's like multiple demons, that basically those demons are mischievous or, quote, tricksters that essentially just like to stalk people via Ouija boards. That's why I don't fuck with Ouija boards. Nope. Or the other thought in this camp, too, is they're, you know, not the stalking thing. It's just it's just regular demons and they just know the name draws fear to people. So they like to use it because that's the whole demons whole thing. They like to fucking fuck with people. (laughs) They're so clever. (laughs) Whichever way you go in the case of storytelling, I'm just going to refer to it as one thing. So he. So his interactions are said to start out friendly or appear that way and then turn malicious. So another checkmark for the mischievous side of demons. And obviously, of course, that's that thought of them trying to give somebody a false sense of security so they think that they're okay. Or like when you see a demon as a child, you know, that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. And as far as interactions also go... It's noted that sometimes there's a sexual aspect to this, as in, like, think succubus or an incubus type of thing with, like, sleep paralysis, where they violate the people and their victims and stuff like that. Like, there's definitely that connection with it as well. I was watching an interview with this guy who's, like, this expert. He had said there was this one dude who had multiple 
interactions with it and he essentially said he had been raped by this thing and or felt like he had been raped by this thing and just all the scary shit i'm like oh my god no fucking thank you now i really don't want to go near a ouija board shit just reminds me of american horror story like max greenfield like his character gets raped i'm gonna definitely have to watch a lot of disney after this yeah i know Ugh. gonna watch duck tales And in other cases, it's said that it can act like it is the person you're trying to reach via your board, but obviously eventually will reveal who the fuck he is type of thing. Uh, most of the time, he just cuts the chase and is like, I'm here, bitches, kind of thing, and will spell his name out on the board. And that's typically what I saw when I was watching stuff on it and reading about it. But if you are braver than I am and like to play with Ouija boards every now and then, uh, when I was doing my research, I came across some warning signs and tips for breaking that connection because you will want to do so. So the warning signs are rapid movements. If you're using a Ouija board, the planchette will begin moving around rapidly. If you are, for some reason, decided to contact it via hypnosis, the pendant or pendulum will begin to swing rapidly. And the next subheading is announcements. Zozo, oh God, I said his name, fuck, might announce himself by spelling out his name, like I mentioned a minute ago. And this happens really quick and in a rainbow-like fashion. So like, Jessica can see my hand. It'll move in like a rainbow shape. An arch. Yes, back and forth. Thank you. And continuously repeat itself. It is also said that it will do figure eights sometime as well in the way of an infinity symbol. Mm. And then, like with most dark entities, you will feel a sense of unease. You might feel a sudden weight of dread or, um, you know, just like really creeped out. And then darkness will come in. You might see shadows moving or the room you are in might get darker. And now, to break the connection, they recommend to, one, remain calm. (laughs) It's like every fucking thing. (laughs) Anytime someone says, okay, like, you're in this situation and you need to remain calm, I'm like, the fact that it's number one means it's pretty hard to do. Yeah. And they say this because, obviously, you know, demons and other evil spirits, they will feed off fear. So they say, please take deep, calming breaths and steady yourself. And they make sure to mention that you close your session out. If you're using the Ouija board, make sure you, you know, put it to goodbye and also say goodbye to formally close everything out. And if you're using another contact method, close it out per their steps immediately. And it says, do not speak his name because using his name gives him power. Avoid speaking about him or to him. So again, hopefully this bracelet's helping me and I don't have a Ouija board. Just podcast out. (laughs) Doing the opposite of what they're recommending. Got it. (laughs) Right. But see, that's the thing. I haven't come into contact and I did not request contact or anything. So I feel like it's that that loophole. (laughs) Good. And lastly, you may need to seek help. If you feel you still have a nearby, please seek out help from a paranormal professional or religious leader such as a priest or rabbi. I'm going to pick the rabbi. Yeah. But... You're probably like, okay, where's the Oklahoma come in? We're going to get to that now. So the house is in Oklahoma City, and there's this dude that has a lot of ties to this demon and is mentioned quite a bit when you look it up. His name is Darren Evans, and dating back as early as 1982, he's come into contact with this entity, and it's basically stalked him and his family ever since, especially himself. And there's some variations with his first encounter, but let's be real. 1982 to now, that's a long time. Yeah. Just saying. That's a long time. 
And he says the first time he came across a Ouija board, he was at his then-girlfriend's house. On one story, he said the demon's name was on the back of it, like engraved. And then on the uh, and then in other stories, he said, oh, it was on the front. So, of course, you know, people who are super skeptics or are trying to call him out are like, see, that's an inconsistency. I'm like, see, it's an over 20-year-old story. Like, Jesus, it's almost 40 years old now. Shit. Yeah, it's 38 years old. Calm down, people. Right? It's like, what do you want? I mean, if he was just telling it for the first time, I could see where you'd be like, okay, get your story straight, sir. But like, I don't know how many people tell stories perfectly from 40 years ago. Right. And he's done so many like interviews, blog posts. Like he's done so much stuff. Horror people, you might know there's actually a movie based on this. There's, I think, a couple movies, actually. Some of them might be not U.S. based. I think a couple of them are like foreign films. But there's one U.S. one for sure. He actually, I think, like helped on that one. So he's done a lot of stuff with it. And he's also written a book. Besides that, his encounters have ranged from the entity cussing at him, threatening him, and even possessing him. And while the possession sounds fucking terrifying, there are some stories involving his daughter and being a mom. I was just like, oh, fuck no. And that made me more scared. Right. He talked about one instance where he messed with the board or whatever, and then he left the room while his daughter was in the bath for like not even a minute or maybe barely a minute. And he came back and it was like in a movie. The water was all the way full. And she was like, not so young. She shouldn't be by herself, period. But it's like, she was still, you know, young. And the water was like up to her face. She was just trying to like sit up and stuff. So he like snatched her out of it, pulled the drain, you know, all that stuff. It just doesn't really seem like a good bath time activity. I mean, I think he had done it earlier in the evening. You know what I'm saying? A different day kind of thing. Yeah. Because basically the story is like this entity has been following him like kind of no matter what and stuff's kind of just been happening to him. Doesn't even matter if he's closed it out or whatever type of shit. Mm -hmm. And then shortly after that, she actually ended up getting sick like so bad they had to take her to the hospital. And they said that she had like an internal infection of some kind. Oh, God. Yeah, it was really serious. She had no history of anything. Like, it was just really out of the blue. So he's like, I really think that this demon infected her somehow. Mm. And there's another creepy story about his daughter, but I'll tell you that a little later in the timeline because it makes more sense. But also, apparently, uh, at one point, he met this girl that became his girlfriend and she was in Michigan. So he ended up deciding he's going to go up there and live with her, right? So, you know, they're just like talking and he tells her about this fucking demon thing. And she's a huge skeptic. Like, she did not believe in any of this stuff. She's like, you're crazy. You're full of shit. No. (laughs) And he's like, let me just show you because it pops up every time. And she's like, okay, go for it. And he's like, and it was like snowing outside. So like we had nothing better to do. So he doesn't even get a real Ouija board. He literally prints one out. Let's start with that. Oh, damn. He prints one out and it fucking shows up. All this kind of like creepy shit starts happening. And in one of the bedrooms, I think it was like her son's room or something. He had hung up this necklace over the bed and it was a skull pendant type thing. It just starts swinging by itself while they're doing this. And they're like, what the fuck? And the eyes start looking like they glow red and there's no, it's not battery operated. No, no, nothing. Should not have been doing that. So she's like, okay, maybe there's something. So her ass the next day apparently decided to go to the store that was 40 miles away from her house and she bought a glow-in-the-dark edition of a Ouija board. (laughs) 
I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs> Just use the printed one you have and close that shit out. Move on with your life. Right? Nope, nope, nope. That didn't happen. So that's fun. And like I said, Darren has went on to do tons of interviews and articles and stuff. And he actually has a whole website dedicated to this. And there is lots of conspiracy theories and stuff involving 2020. But to be honest, I don't want to go there. We listen to stuff to not involve all that. So we're just going to move on with life. But if you're interested in that kind of stuff, you can go check it out. But what I do want to bring you to your attention, and I know you guys won't be surprised at this point, our boys, Zach, Aaron, and it does go back a bit. This is a bit old. So even Nick is there. (laughs) (gasps) So we're talking like buckle pants. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the pants he wears off the top of my head for some reason. I don't know. But anyway, they decide they're going to take a trip to the Demon House there in Oklahoma City and see what kind of activity they can stir up. Of course. And interesting enough, before this, I was reading an interview with Darren, and he actually went quite a bit of time without messing with any Ouija boards, doing anything because of the scary experiences he had. I'm pretty sure after he got possessed, he was like, okay, no. You know what I mean? Actually scared him. Right. Once again, there was another encounter with his daughter. And he had said that one night, the demon literally picked her up and like, whoosh, drug her down to the basement. And she started screaming her head off. And he went down there and thankfully she was okay. They didn't go too much into detail besides that. But like, holy fuck no. Like I said, uh, in one of the interviews that was like prior to the show and stuff, he said he would only interact with it again if there was up-to-date equipment that was actually like, you know, full-on reliable. Obviously, he's now, I guess, he's like in a paranormal investigator. But when he did this interview, I'm guessing maybe he wasn't. Or obviously, hobby, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And he also wanted to make sure there was cameras to document everything. And obviously, the Ghost Adventures team has all of that and more. Zach's <laughs> like, I got everything. So they're perfect. And on top of what I watch, I believe when I was looking at stuff, I believe they actually went back there for like a Halloween thing because, you know, he likes it. Zach likes to do that. And I will say most episodes of Ghost Adventures don't scare me, but this one creeped me out. The level of activity that happens in this episode is fucking insane. There's so, so much. Holy shit. So before they go in, obviously they do like their normal interview thing that they do with them to get like backstory and stuff. So Darren tells them all this and whatnot. And then his wife Kathleen is there and she is like fucking scared already in the beginning. She is terrified. They kind of like obviously cut off because her and Darren start talking because she didn't want him to do this and she didn't want anything to do with it. She's like, I've seen my husband possessed. We shouldn't be here. Right. And then eventually, you know, I don't know what kind of conversation they have, but Darren convinces her, hey, let's go in. Like, we'll do this together so you know what's going on. That kind of thing. So they say, okay. So then they go in the house and literally the minute they're in that house, there are loud ass footsteps. And then one of the doors in like the hallway, they're in the room or whatever, the door opens. Opens and then reshuts over all by its motherfucking self. And automatically Zach's like, is there a draft? Is there a way for this to do it by itself? Like, he's like, no, no, not already. <laughs> I like when things like that happen. When you watch shows where Zach truly gets scared, it's not like, bro, it's like, what happened? <laughs> When Zach gets calm, I'm like, I'm more scared. Yeah, and that's why I think this episode scared me so much. And after, you know, after this, like, they all go in and then they start talking and things like that. Then they go back out of the house because then they cut to the beginning of what would have been an interview with this man named TJ Marshall, who's listed as the handyman on the property. 
am assuming Darren and Kathleen don't live there, but it seems like they are still the owners of it because there was very minimal furniture inside. It didn't look like somewhere they really lived, to be honest. They Maybe, I don't know, but I highly, highly doubt it from the looks of it because they talk about like a hotel later, so I'm assuming they don't live there. So Zach's talking to him and about to like go into the demon background a little bit and the guy just cuts him off and he's like, can we just skip this stuff? Is that okay? And Zach's like, oh yeah, okay, no problem because he's assuming it's like scaring the guy. So he's like, okay, that's fine. And so they go inside and they're going to do this like experiment with the guy on the stairs. So they're setting up and Zach's going to do his whole, we're going to run an experiment spiel that he fucking does. And (laughs) (laughs) you have to admit, Zach is the best salesman of that pitch because he's like, we're going to do an experiment and it's never, I'm going to put myself in this, you know, like scientist do. Zach's like, I got this. I'm going to just sit over here. I'm going to Jane Goodall it. Y'all be the gorillas. Like literally. But this dude again says, let's skip this. Can we skip this? And Zach just kind of is like, yeah, I guess. And Aaron starts busting up laughing. He's like, oh my God, literally nobody's ever asked, can we skip this? And he like looks at the other camera. And he's like, he just said, can we skip this? <laughs> I was like, Aaron's just so happy it's not him. <laughs> right? Aaron's like, yay, not me. I am not the sacrificial <laughs> lamb. Oh, literally, I was just dying because Aaron was just like, this is fucking amazing. (laughs) Again, you know, Zach's like, okay, no problem. Like, we'll just get to it. AKA, I think the dude was trying to not get scared prior and was just like, fuck this, shut up. Let's just do it. Like, I think that's really what it was. And so they go back to their little control area with Billy and whatnot and footsteps happen again. And to me, it sounded like the thing was running. They describe it as walking. And I'm like, fuck, that's a fast walk, but okay. And TJ says that he feels like a whoosh of air, like somebody went past him kind of thing. So then he's talking to the entity and he's like, okay, if I feel that air again, I'll know you don't want me on your stairs. I'm not supposed to be here. I'll get up and leave. If you want me to go, I'm gone. He's sitting there for a minute and we hear more footsteps and he's like looking around. Eventually, <laughs> the the whoosh of air happens again and he's like, oh, yep, I felt that. Okay, I'm gone. And he just like gets the fuck up and bolts out. <laughs> gets the fuck out of there. <laughs> I don't blame him though. Right. At least he kept his end of the deal. Like, I don't really like those paranormal investigators who are like, if you do this, I'll leave. And then they do it and then they're like. Now, if you really want me to leave, like, pull my hair. It's like, no, don't break your promises. Just disrespectful. That's why they get angry, because people are rude. Exactly. So after this, the the main group, you know, all the ghost adventure people, Darren and Kathleen, they all go back in the house. And once they get into the room that they're settling in, Nick and Darren are the two that are going to be using the Ouija board. And Nick's already freaked the fuck out. He was already freaked the fuck out at the beginning of this episode because he's like, they were talking about a different kind of demon thing they had came across. And he's like, I just got rid of those bad vibes. Now you're doing this shit to me. Like, I am not here for this. Whatever. Instantly again, the demon starts responding. It spells its name out in the same fashion that I talked about earlier. And, you know, Darren's talking about it too. And he's like, oh yeah, this is the rainbow effect. So that's what was happening. Kind of give you a visual. And when this starts happening, Kathleen starts acting really fucking weird and freaking out. So Zach is like, he's like, okay, like, do you need to go outside? If you need to leave, that's okay. Like, go ahead and go. Because she already didn't want to be there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so she goes outside. It's really affecting Nick because he's just like, he's 
just saying he can feel like this electricity and all this stuff. And then he actually says out of nowhere that Kathleen's being affected by the demon and he could just tell. And they're like, Kathleen's not in here. What are you what are you talking about? We keep hearing footsteps and banging and all this shit. And a little bit of time passes and Kathleen comes back. And I'm sorry, it was creepy. She's acting weird as fuck. First of all, her tone of voice was like not the tone of voice she'd been talking in the whole motherfucking time. It wasn't like exorcist creepy voice, but it was just a different tone in her voice, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Also, her belt is undone and she's barefoot. First, they notice the shoe thing. They're like, what the fuck? Why don't you have shoes on? Darren's literally like, where the fuck are your shoes? <laughs> and <laughs> like, what the hell? But her belt is undone. She then kind of, she like sits down and she's like being scary. And they're like, what was wrong with you? And she's like, he told me to come back in here. He told me to come back up. And they're like, what the fuck? And then she's like, I have to tell you, he was being very sexual. He was asking me to see my, like, I don't know. I don't know why I laughed for a second. I think it's because I was so freaked out. I was like, I have to find something to laugh at. Um, apparently, she said he asked to see her tits. And she's like, he was just being very sexual. And then there was the whole belt thing. So they're like, oh, God, what the fuck? Because the whole incubus type of thing I talked about earlier came into play here. They explained that. And they're just like, okay, like, are you feeling okay? Like, they didn't really know what to do. And like, you can tell Zach and them are just so taken aback. They're like, what? Because this is in the earlier days. So I don't know if they've came across anything like this, you know? So they're like, what the actual fuck? And things kind of calm down. So then they start messing with the board again. And then she starts saying, Mama. And they're like looking at her like, what the fuck did you just say? And if you remember, that was one of the other names for this entity. So I was like, oh, fuck. Which I actually read that afterwards. And I was like, oh, no, because they didn't say that. And then she's like, she's saying some other things that like they couldn't understand what she was saying. Like it was just like mumbling kind of thing. And then she ends up saying like she's not feeling good. She feels like she's going to puke and that the room smells like rotting flesh to her. And they're like, oh, God, okay, maybe you should go back outside. Get away from this kind of thing. So she dips and, you know, they're doing a little bit more. And then I'm assuming this was on a break because then it eventually cuts to like Darren saying like he can't find Kathleen. And they're like, what do you mean? Did she go back in the house? And he's like, no, I looked in the house. I looked all around the property and stuff like she's fucking nowhere. And this isn't exactly an area for her to be wandering. So I'm going to go look for her. And so Zach goes with him. Zach and one of the camera crew, like they take their own car and Darren takes his truck. So they leave. And while they're out looking for her, Billy, Nick and somebody else, they're, you know, they're just watching the house on the surveillance because nobody's in there. And it starts picking up all kinds of like footsteps and more weird noises and stuff. So, of course, Nick's like, I'm gonna go back in the house now by myself like a dumbass. So he goes in there and he gets freaked out instantly. He's like, there's something in here with me or someone in here with me. He's like, oh, fuck. And he tries to talk to it. And of course, then out of fucking nowhere, there's like, you know, neighbors because they're in a neighborhood. All these neighbors dogs just start howling all together. And it was easily like five to eight dogs, if not more. It was so creepy. So he's like, fuck this. And he got out of there. He's like, oh my God, no. And there's, you know, more banging and more footsteps and all this shit. And it's just like, holy fuck. And let me just point out, because someone's gonna be like, is this, you know, if they think this kind of stuff's fake, does it all sound the same? No, it just, it sounds, it always sounds different. So it's like, obviously a soundbite or anything, you know, but eventually Kathleen is found. 
Darren finds her. He doesn't really go into too much detail or they edit it down. But basically, he's like, she's okay. I took her back to the hotel. I sat with her for a little bit. She seems like she's fine and said it was okay to leave her there. So I came back to finish. And they're like, well, uh, yeah, it's time to shut this down. We need to do this. So they go back in there with the board. And there's actually a member of the crew who said he had his own encounter with Z at one point, like 10 years prior. And he said when him and his friends were doing it, literally one of his friends became possessed and grabbed, like one of them had like a knife, like a pocket knife type thing, and tried to fucking stab him in the throat with it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. He wants to kind of interact with it so he can close out his connection in case there's anything lingering. So that was the whole point of that. So they're doing stuff and there's like this little bit going on. But then literally out of nowhere, it spells ha-ha on the fucking board. So Zach's like, oh my god, it's trolling us right now. (laughs) Like, it's enjoying this. But I'm like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) At that moment, I was scared. But like now that I'm like just talking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, this demon just thinks this is hilarious. (laughs) But yeah, so that happens basically. And then they end up closing it out and everything that had happened, like that was going on, just stops. It was so weird. And, you know, they obviously had to stick around to clean up their stuff and everything and pack up. So they set out um, a recorder to make sure, like, you know, even though most of the time with these kind of things, like we don't in real time, you don't hear it, but it'll pick up on like a recording device. And they end the episode with this creepy-ass voice that they picked up, and it said, I didn't do it. And it is so creepy. And then it's like, it says, like, a couple other words, but you can't tell what it is, and I couldn't. I listened to it a bunch of times. But yeah, so fucking creepy. So yes, (laughs) that was their first encounter at this demon house. I don't know. I think this entity is not one to fuck with, whether it's a singular one or a group of them, whatever it is. I don't want no demons in my house. Let me know what you think. If you've done any research into it, let me know. I would love to know your thoughts. But yeah, that is my Oklahoma City haunt for the episode. So I will let you go ahead and close this out now that everyone's scared as shit. I know. I'm like, (laughs) I'm over here like, uh, okay, uh, bless you all. And I hope you are safe and you're listening to this. And please don't fuck with demons. They're not to be messed with. But I'm glad to know that one of my favorite states in the United States has some spookiness. And I just realized we should have done the Oklahoma octopus, but we will do that some other time. (laughs) Thinking about it now. So uh, I leave you with, I don't know what I'm leaving you with. I'm out. Like literally Tara watched it earlier and recapped it. It's fine. I'm over here like, oh, Lord Jesus, protect me. (laughs) I don't like when it cut, like when we do the black eyed children and stuff like that, like I can talk about serial killers for days. I can talk about werewolves the vampires and all that stuff when we start talking about stuff that like mm -mm, just nope (laughs) anyway so with that we're gonna close out the episode you know where you can find us and we will be seeing you on thursday for a stabby bye guys bye